You're listening to BQN. Assimilate the audio. Welcome, listeners, to a very special episode, crossover episode of All Good Things and What's the T-Bev? Both Star Trek Universe podcasts here on the BQN and the Fandom Podcast Network. I'm your host, Christos, as usual. And today we have Amy, Mark, and Kelvin joining us. Hey, everyone. Hello, crossover. I'm crossover. finally on all. What's the tea, Beb? <laughs> I know. We, we, we get you in here one way or another. That was always the goal. So, all good things, listeners. If you are listening on your normal uh, audio podcast download, you could actually view this episode on YouTube on the at What's the TBEV channel. So if you want to see us for a special one week, um, you can you can move on over to YouTube and watch this episode. For What's the TBEV, it's where you normally find us. So how's everyone doing this week? Really good, thank you. I, uh, I'm really hoping some people do tune in on YouTube and take a look. I've uh, got a full face of makeup. I've done my hair. I'm camera ready, Christos. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right uh okay i love having this like all, all um all of us in here in the video screen together that's great um and we're gonna look fabulous on youtube everyone did do their hair and makeup today so um so first and foremost um did anybody happen to catch that trailer last week that big one during the afc game but it really wasn't the big one because you had to go to youtube to watch the big one <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why did they release it that way? They had a commercial to make sure that we tuned in for the trailer. And then that was, you need to go somewhere else to watch the full thing. Like what? I know it was, it was a little, um, I don't know. I don't want to say annoying, but it was fine because somebody actually, yeah, they actually loaded the full trailer to YouTube like 20 minutes before it even aired on TV. And somebody sent me the link. So I just turned off the game at that point anyway. But we got almost a three-minute trailer. We did. And just before we talk about that, the commercial to advertise the trailer was hilarious, where you hear Picard in the background and you see the football players, old friends, old rivalries. And you're like, this is so weird to see football combined with Star Trek. I, I know, just, Amy. I never thought I would see the day. Amy, you must have loved that. Uh, I, on the other hand, um, wanted to puke. I <laughs> really hate sports, like deep loathing, like Jat Vash level loathing of sports. Oh my! And and the fact that I had Star Trek, like the voices over the sports, I was just like cringing. So I was happy to see it without it. But I know Amy, you love it. So day for you, well, Amy. I actually give Paramount CBS a lot of credit because, you know, uh, TNG still remains to this day. It was the most watched Star Trek show ever. And a lot of the audience went away when TNG ended and did not carry on to the other shows and even into a lot of the movies. Um, so this was a really good way to get back in front of that demographic that walked away from Star Trek in the mid 90s and kind of say, hey, Remember those characters you love so much? They're back. So I thought it was good marketing, whether you like sports or not. 
Yeah, I found it was quite interesting that traditionally Star Trek fans or sci-fi fans in general, as geeks, as nerds, generally sportophobes, um, and just to kind of advertise our tribe in one of the biggest sporting events in the world, I thought it was amazing. And also just having a trailer for a trailer, you know, is Star Trek really that, that big? Well, yes is the answer, so what a time to be alive. Right. I loved the advertisement uh, they had in Times Square in New York with uh, Beverly Crusher. Yeah. Uh, well, how awesome was that? Especially to see Gates McFadden retweeting that. It just gave mm-hmm. me all the feels. Well, that was a that was a um, one screenshot. There actually is a whole trailer that was looping through. So I think everybody was getting oh, wow. their screen time in Times Square. But yes, uh, Beverly takes Manhattan is a, a, an awesome <laughs> little ploy to all those people that remember that. Gates McFadden is in the Muppets that take Manhattan and she has a role <laughs> oh, in there yes. Dabney Coleman's secretary. So um, that's a little like a little throwback um, um, reference there. Um, so, I mean, the trailer was action packed. We, we get to finally see Ed Spielers in this trailer who um, I know him from Downton Abbey. Um, I know he does some other shows, but. That's, this is the, the actor that some people suspect may be the uh, love child of Beverly Crusher and Jean-Luc. Uh, somebody else threw a really cool theory at me in a DM on Instagram the other day. What if um, this character is a child of Shinzon? Ooh. Oh. I've hmm. not heard that one. Little, little little nemesis throwback there, but I'm like, okay. Because mm. I feel like the whole Beverly and Jean-Luc's love child thing has been said so much that I'm wondering if it's been all just a big misdirect. Yeah. There's mm. another there's another theory going around that this could be Renee, who so he didn't die in the fire. There's something has happened and this is kind of grown up Renee from generations. Yeah. I would he still be that young though? Well, I mean, how young do you reckon this guy is? I reckon he's about 30. I don't think he's early he's 20s. I, I, yeah. He's in his okay. so, um, can definitely play younger. Yeah, so this kind of theory of the love child, I'm trying to do the dates over when it would have happened. And clearly it wouldn't have happened during the series or the movies. So oh. you would expect if it happened then, he would only be in his 20s. But I love the theory of what if they tied this into Beverly's season two absence and Picard and Crusher popped up drunk during the Naked Now off camera. She ran away in season two to have the baby in secret and then came back. And then in the high ground and in Remember Me, she does say at one point, John Luke, there's something I've always wanted to tell you. And then it cuts dead. Maybe she was going to love it. Yeah. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. There's some crazy theories out there. I do actually, so there's one thing that leads me to believe that maybe this is their child because in one of the trailers, she's like constant attempts on your life. And I think she's like justifying keeping this kid in hiding because just being Jean-Luc's kid is dangerous <laughs> and mm. he's always in trouble. Oh, I just, uh, I'm noticing the poster here. And I definitely, uh, I'm getting Captain Pike vibes from Riker over there. That uh, the peak, the Pike's peak over here, or the air. Uh, just noticed that <laughs> they've definitely <laughs> upgraded his look a little bit. <laughs> Man, yeah, he well, looks uh, so good in these trailers. Jonathan Frakes looks so good, so good. 
Yeah, he definitely took some time to get ready for this season physically. He dropped a lot of weight and yes. did did some trips to the gym. Um, so he he really looks better than he has in a really long time. I think everyone looks great, which is what's you know awesome is that I don't feel like it being over twenty years or about twenty years since Nemesis that this is mm-hmm. a sad attempt at like bringing the show back and it's going to do damage to the legacy. I actually think this is being done very well, very respectfully and very, um, like I said, no one I think is making a fool of themselves, which is what can Mm -hmm. happen in some of these bring back something 20 years later, you know? Well, it's not rocket science for Riker to see, you know, you step away from the pizzas and you lose a bit of weight. So uh, he steps off Nepenthe on his pizza oven and now he looks great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one thing that I still am not too happy with is the one point for Troy. I know I'm talking about Troy, but she says, I'm sensing darkness. Like literally that's all Troy did first season. I mean, <laughs> I get it. They just, why are they still going back to that when she has progressed so much more instead of oh. just, Oh, I'm sensing darkness. Come on. There's going to don't highlight that. That's not her main shtick anymore. Yeah. Uh, I got two good thoughts on Troy that maybe make you make feel a little bit better. First off, they did her so well in the Penthe. Like, so yes. I think if we see that Troy continue on. And then secondly, I actually, I don't know. I had YouTube on yesterday and I was doing housework and some video finished. And then their New York Comic-Con panel came on like automatically. And I just let it play. I'm like, okay, this is good. And when they were talking about Troy, she's like, actually, unfortunately, my character's role is something that just can't be talked about. It's wrapped up in the big, the big part that they're keeping quiet about the season. So I think they can't show Troy too much without giving away her role in the story. And can I just say that that fills me with fear because there has been a lot of nods to the future timeline of all good things with the names of Geordie's kids, with where people are, and we all know where Troy was mm-hmm. in the future of all good things. So, oh, I hope not. Well, I'm and oh, now that scares me because I've had a couple people say, oh, well, they're for sure going to kill off a main character. Oh, now yeah. you're making me nervous. It's yeah. Troy. My asshole brother keeps telling me they're killing off Beverly just to try to get me yeah. upset. So. <laughs> and Pulaski killed him. Um, yeah. Damn Pulaski. Hey, I actually had another nod back to all good things. I re- I heard, and I don't know if it's confirmed, but I think they're saying that Beverly is the captain of that that ship that's no that's a former Federation ship. It's like a like surplus or something, the Elios or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that ship we now see in the final trailer, basically crashing into the Titan and probably getting mm. destroyed. So I'm like, there's another thing that happened. And if you remember in all good things, the Pasteur got destroyed and it was Beverly's ship. So I don't oh. know. Maybe there's something to what you said, mm. Kelvin. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. And it's, it's so clever. I mean, this is just, Terry Metalis being a genius, isn't he? And it's not, it, it's so, 
it's so discreet that when the penny drops for us fans to say, oh, wow, that's almost like a, a destiny moment of Beverly couldn't escape losing her ship in, in this year mm. in many different timelines and many different ships. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, secretly, my if I am properly fangirling, I would have loved it if her ship was the pastor because I love the Olympic class I, and the Daedalus class that it came from. It's just such a cool ship. But that maybe it was just a little bit too old to uh, to do up a little bit. Yeah, yeah I agree yeah. with you. That would have been amazing. I still have my little Eagle Moss model of the pasture. I, I love that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Any other final thoughts on our um, on the trailer? Or are we just like ready so for? Who? Yeah. Who was the? I'm assuming admiral or somebody that was, you know, telling Picard, "Well, this is going to be boring. There's no." Oh, you know. Who? Who was, is that? Well, that's the captain of the Titan. That's um. Oh, I forgot his name. What's his name, Christos? Is it like Stan something or something. Uh, it's I, Liam. His first name is Liam. I know that. Uh, I, I know the actor. Is it Todd? Yeah, in fact, Todd. Yeah, uh, but the character's Liam someone. Uh, but yeah, he's the captain of the Titan. And the actor had previously been in Star Trek, right? He was in Enterprise. Yes, he was one yes, of the... He played a Romulan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's action-packed. I'm actually at that point where I'm just ready to see it. I almost feel like I, I almost feel like I know too much, which I'm hoping is not the case. Um, there are a lot of people who have gotten screener screeners for episodes one through six, and they are doubling down on how amazing it is and how true to our characters it is. So I'm holding on to that. Um, I get to go to the actual premiere on Thursday up in Hollywood and see the first two episodes. So I'm, I was just telling Kelvin before we started, like, oh, wow, that's like in four days. I better get on my plans for that, get a hotel room and things like that. <laughs> um, perks of living down in San Diego. Uh, LA is just not too far away. But uh, yeah, I'm just ready for this show to happen already. I feel like it's been almost a year now. We first heard about it in April or March last year that this was going to be the premise for the season. And um, I think we're just ready. I, I don't think I've ever been so how much anticipation for a season of anything. So what's the story behind data? Cause it can't be data, right? It's lore. We know it's lore. It's, it is lore. Oh, it's do. been stated. Yes, okay. it is lore. And now I don't know if it's like lore and somebody changed the aging program or I think he looks very human. I think he's in a golem body like Picard. Mm. I think they transferred Lore's consciousness into a body like Picard's. Yeah, I don't think uh, I'm calling it here. I don't think Lore's going to be the baddie. I don't think he's going to be evil at all. I think he's going to help them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the other. The only thing that's kind of against that is was why do we have Moriarty? Because Moriarty was designed to be able to take out data. And so it makes sense that you bring back Moriarty to take out lore because you need to, you know, that's why they would go get him out. Um, I don't know. That's just more speculation. But Moriarty might not be bad either. We might just be seeing them as bad. You see that like with even the trailer, um, they've taken a lot of the characters that we love and sort of turned them on their head in a way that's unexpected, like with Worf now being a pacifist, uh, that kind of thing. Um, Seven, who would have thought she would have been back uh, 
you know, in Starfleet. Uh, but here we have her doing that. So I think they're going to do things in an unexpected way. But I mean, even I mean, Moriarty was always a fan favorite anyway, in spite of being a villain. Uh, so I think I don't know. He may get some redemption. In fact, I could totally agree with that. I think they're they've shown us so much that I only hope that it's like how most trailers turn out. That what you think is going to be is not what it is, and if they've done a good job, that's what'll happen. Um, if we've been over spoilered, then it's exactly what we think it is, and then that's not always fun. Well, yeah, I am cautious to not do that because of season two when we had the big Q reveal and Q's going to be back. And it's like his story was so minimal compared to the entire season. And so I think it's just that red herring. And I think that's what Moriarty is. Yeah. Well, we know Moriarty only filmed in one day. He's in one episode, apparently. He, mm -hmm. So it's not going to be this big throughput. Yeah, they still maintain that there are the biggest things of the story have not been let on at all. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, that is true. And I've heard there's three villains. So, and I am clear we're led to believe that's Vadik, Moriarty, and Law. But it may be someone we don't know yet. Who was the first one? Alaski. Vadik. Vadik, the um, Amanda Plummer's character, the main villain. Yeah, and she just keeps reminding me of Austin Powers. What was um, what was the guy's um, get girl that uh, the the German lady or whatever that was always helping? I can't, him? I can't remember the Krustuken or something. Uh, but I uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't get that in my head. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. So shall we uh, talk about today's topic? All right. So we thought, listeners, it would be really fun to get ready for Picard season three by having a little bit of a round robin of episodes that the four of us believe that you we should watch before watching season three of Picard. And so the fun thing about this is, is we did not compare our lists at all. We all have our lists and they're, they're ours. I do suspect we're going to have some duplicates, but that's great. We have some extras, but... Yeah, we're going to go around here um, one at a time and throw one out there and, and talk about why we feel that that episode is one you should watch before you start season three. So let's go with ladies first. Miss Amy Nelson, what is your pick for an episode or movie you should watch before you watch season three of Picard? All right. Well, I am going to choose the most obvious one, All Good Things. Uh, this was the first one that popped into my mind after watching the trailer because I got the whole vibe of if Picard wants one more adventure, then that's what we're going to give him. Like, you know that we're going to rally and help Picard and you get that in All Good Things and how good that feels and the support and the love that they have with each other. And also the last scene, you were always welcome, like bringing Picard into the fold. Um, and I love seeing how Picard's trust in his crew, the present crew, um, complete trust and like, help me figure this out. And in the past, he doesn't really reveal that much because he knows that's not really. And in the future, he's still, he says more, but it's that present time where he's always trusting his crew. 
And what I love about All Good Things also is that us as viewers and Picard and everyone else has this opening of your mind of the idea that space time is a variable and that mm -hmm. can we change that? And just to open your mind to have that realization is huge. And I think very helpful in figuring out problems in the future. So those are my reasons why we need to watch all good things. Very good, Amy. That was a very, very well defended uh, choice. And I love that you started off with a quote from Captain Beverly. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. Mark, what is your first pick for a episode or movie you must watch? So the way I went into this is I was thinking about each individual character that we are going to now see in this last season and with something that might be the first sort of kernel or the first seed of their development that takes us into this next chapter, right? So I got some deep cuts in here and I want to start off unexpectedly, I think, with a Voyager season five episode called Relativity. Now, relativity, I think, uh, is a good one because, first of all, um, it's dealing with uh, time travel. This is the very first time Seven ever experiences life without her implants. So she is put in a scenario where she has to help the Voyager crew, but she's um, been deborgified. So people are interacting with her without sort of this fear and things that uh, she has to spend you know, her life dealing with. Um, also... At one point, she has to go to Utopia Planitia Shipyards, where obviously that was a jumping off point for well, the first season of Picard. Also a huge part of Geordi's story arc, uh, who we're going to see you know, um, in season three of Picard. So I think that's important. Uh, the time travel aspect. Um, also, you get the great quote from the doctor about... Uh, don't consult the database. Uh, and he's like, uh, she's like, you are the database. Uh, I love that quote. <laughs> um, and uh, when I, when I finished the episode, the first thing I thought of was seeing Janeway work with seven in this way was so Kurt Spock. And I think that's why they worked so well together because it, brought back that Kirk Spock dynamic. She was she was the Spock to Janeway's Kirk. Nice. Nice. Very unexpected, Mark. Very unexpected. Voyager. I didn't I didn't think we were gonna get any Voyager picks. So <laughs> that that's <laughs> that's awesome, actually. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad you chose that because I was like, oh, but there's seven and I just don't know the Voyager yeah. episodes well enough. So I am so glad you picked that. And I'm yes, writing yeah. these down so I'll, that I I think we I should do too. a rewatch of that at some point. That was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm definitely um you definitely made me want to watch that episode again. So that might be a later today type of thing. And let's not forget, Mark, that was uh, Seven of Nine's very first appearance in a Starfleet uniform, which also mm -hmm. very much connects her to what's starting off now, albeit she's gone from blue to command gold. You got it. Yeah. Kelvin, what is your uh, first pick? So in the interests of kind of passing of the torch, I would like to start us off with this re-coming together of all of our beloved TNG crew 
uh, with a look back at when we last saw them all together. So Nemesis. Sorry, Amy, I know it's on your list. <laughs> yes, okay, but it's let me hear too. why you are including this. <laughs> so uh, I, it's very much a, you know, from and to, and there are people, that, lists like this is, is a really good thing to do because there will be people going to watch season three of Picard who have not watched season one and two. And I think um, some of the things Terry and Metallus has said that that's almost by design. You can you know, bring some of the old TNG fans from back in the day here with you. So there may be people who last watched Nemesis in 2002 who are going straight into this. So it won't be a, a, as huge a leap. So there's a lot covered off in Nemesis that is clearly either already been answered or is very clearly the case still now and uh, mainly the death of Data. Uh, Data's not there. We got law instead. Um Riker and Troy having got married and they've got their family, they've been away. All of these things started in Nemesis. And uh, yeah, so that's where I just want to start my rewatch. Here is the last time TNG crew were together as a family before the 20 year hiatus. Uh, I think we probably all had that on our list. Maybe not Mark, because Mark's trying to be contrary in a very good way. But uh, Nemesis was on literally on my list for a lot of the same reasons. It is the last time we saw everybody. And it really was the last time we heard from Beverly, Worf, and Jordy, I think. Um, mm. And Jet 2 all together. So good pick. Good pick. I don't think I could have made it through this episode without getting picked. Um, all right. So you? My, my first one, for multiple reasons, I'm going to see a Descent Part 2. Um, for first and foremost, it is the last time we saw Lore. And so um, we already know Lore is in the season. So we need to go catch up with Lore and find out the last time he checked out. And it was the first time we were introduced to Captain Beverly Crusher, um, who um, has her ship. And also one of the very good examples of badass Beverly Crusher. And we don't, we did hear that Beverly is supposed to be more of an action kick-ass badass Beverly in season three of Picard. And this is a very good example. I feel of Beverly just being in charge and doing, showing that she's more than just a doctor. She's a commander. She's a captain and she's a leader. I think most, most importantly, she shows great leadership in this um and she's, you know, off doing something, um, you know, outside the Federation. And so I think she's leading some doctors without borders or something. And I think this was a good example of her leadership. So Descent Part Two, Season Seven, Episode One. Fabulous. Have to rewatch that. A really good two for one there, Christos, in terms of clearly Beverly, but uh, more <laughs> as well. Where has yeah. more been since we took him to pieces? In descent, was he on the Enterprise when it went down? Was he at the Daystrom Institute? Was he floating in space again? How do we get more yeah. back? There's a lot of unanswered questions. There. Yeah, we 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 know where B four was because we saw him in season one of Picard, but we don't know. I mean, what happened after Lore was disassembled and stripped of his emotion chip? <laughs> mm. uh, right. So round one, John, Amy, why don't you give us another? Season three, must watch. 
Okay. Well, since my nemesis was already taken, so <laughs> well done. Um, and so I'm going to choose Pegasus. I feel that this Ooh. episode really shows Riker and sort of basically all of our crew, how they mm. handle past mistakes and how do you deal with it and how do you overcome it? I love, again, I've got a trust thing going on here. Picard's trust in Riker never fails. Like he's like, okay, if you can't tell me, I will trust that you're going to do the right thing. Um, so there's this internal struggle that Riker is going through. He gets counseled by Deanna. Picard is trusting him. Um, I just really think that this episode plays a part in the bigger picture of their character arc in this. And I hope that it's going to be Picard and Riker. I don't know if it's going to be that way, but that is my wish that we get back to the Picard Riker that was, you know, so developed in the early seasons. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll one up you one more too on this one because it's a great pick. Um, you, you, you kind of alluded at it here, but that, you know, one thing that's been kind of said is we're supposed to see Picard and Riker in conflict in season three of Picard mm. at some point. And this is a very good example of them being in conflict, which was rare during yeah. the run of TNG. But this is one episode where they did, they were kind of at odds. And um, so that trust thing was big, but um, yeah, conflict, Ooh, which is something good. we don't feel so, with our main characters. Yeah, has Amy also done a little bit of a two for one here? If she's suggesting that people go away and rewatch Pegasus just for completion of that story, you are do. you also suggesting people watch the final episode of Enterprise, which was set during the episode of Pegasus? Yeah. These are These the voyages. Are the voyages. <laughs> and we get to see Troy in that awful wig. <laughs> oh. Do we think she's got a new wig for season three, or is she still in the ne Nemesis wig? No, oh, I... Nemesis was so beautiful, though. We yeah. can ask her on the cruise. No. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> Make sure to record uh, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, what is your next round pick? All right. I just started off with this, with saying that I'm going to have a lot to watch, because I plan on watching... Everything so far, I plan on watching. So I'm going to have a lot to watch. Anyway. <laughs> They've all been excellent picks. Uh, I never should have doubted you guys. <laughs> so, all right. Let's see here. Well, I if, if I overlap with anybody, it might be this one, and it might be Kelvin, but probably not. So I'm going to go with a DS9 episode, and it's season five, and it's called Soldiers of the Empire. So reason being is because I feel like the war... I'm sorry, Mark. What? Can you just give a brief <laughs> synopsis? Because I didn't... I don't know what Soldiers of the Empire, just real quick, which one it is. It's the Klingon episode, Amy. <laughs> so... Uh, you have Worf, he's going with General Martok on a mission, and this is Martok's first mission since he was, I guess, captured and interrogated and tortured 
by the Dominion, and you're seeing like a different version of him. And so I think it's really important for Worf's growth. Like I said, this my picks were all about the nuggets or the the seeds of who they would become. So Worf is seeing his hero that he's looked up to for so long, this great warrior, great Klingon warrior. And what becomes of a great Klingon warrior after they've gone through one too many battles? And he's seeing maybe him in a different light, maybe the decay, and maybe he's realizing for the first time that living a life, this is what your future will be, Worf, if you continue down this path of just seeking all things Klingon and just looking for the next battle and the next battle. Uh, if you maybe change your perspective and start thinking about living your life another way, this is a great way to do it by holding her up to what your future would be. And I think Worf, for the first time, realizes that might not be the path for him. I think that's what we get out of this episode. Yeah, if I'm remembering this episode correctly, isn't it in part like Martok is playing it safe? And that's not the Klingon necessarily Klingon way of doing things. And he's yeah. been sh he's been shaken, and he's he's being because um, Jadzia has a big part in this episode too, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. She sure does. And yeah. he's actually in 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 he's actually in danger of mutiny, actually potentially happening mm -hmm. on his ship because mm -hmm. he's not he's being more scaled back. He's being a little bit more pacifist because he's learning the value. Martok's taking an extra value on life. Um, and, 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 not, and not just disregarding it the way Klingons can be very, you mm -hmm. know, just jump in and whatever happens. And if I die, I die with honor. So Martok is kind of showing a little bit of that pacifism that mm -hmm. uh, we are supposed to be seeing in Worf in Picard season three. So I see where you got this. I see where yeah. you got yeah. this. Yay. Good. Calvin, do they steal one of yours? Was that yours? No, you didn't. And I, I understand, obviously, there was the Deep Space Nine connection. If anyone was going to bring DS9 in, it would probably <laughs> be me. But I think a lot of people know my views on Worf. So uh, I wasn't in too much of a rush to choose one of my picks on Worf. <laughs> However, I, did, I, did have a Worf, I do have a Worf backup pick, and it wasn't that episode. So uh, maybe I'll discuss that in a bit. Do you like that Tell episode? Me, did you? Um, if I'm being completely honest, Mark, I'm not a fan of that episode. So maybe okay. a rewatch on All Good Things in the Future may change me. But I always recall, remember when the VHS came out and you got two episodes on a VHS? That is the episode that is uh, just before Children of Time, which is oh. the uh, the Descendants episodes with Future Odo, who tells Kira he's in love with her. And I love that episode. So I, I purchased soldiers of the empire just so i could get the next episode so <laughs> it means a lot in a really backhanded compliment kind of way <laughs> calvin did you notice my ability to just take an episode out of nowhere and know what it was about and it was ds9 I was and... very impressed christos it's a shame we're not on track experts there would have been some points <laughs> for you there I know, verified I know, I know. <laughs> All right, Kelvin, what is your second round pick? Okay, so like Mark, I, I approached this list in a very character-driven format to kind of pick up where we were from. Um, I also had Descent on my list, Christos, for exactly the same reasons you did, that it was Law and Beverly, and it was just a great pick. So I'm going to do another uh, two-character 
episode uh, to bring us up to speed. And that is Stardust City Rag from season one of Picard. So the reason I chose this episode is that it does a huge exploration of Rafi uh, to start with. You know, we saw her in the initial three episodes. She was very, you know, she was a drug addict. She was very washed out. She was very bitter. And this episode did a lot to explain that her wanting to get to Free Cloud was all to meet up with her son uh, and mend that relationship. Now, the, the novels have given us a lot of backstory and exposition about her relationship with Gabe. Um, but there was an image that went up in a fraction of a second in the most recent trailer that shows Rafi reflecting on a young girl. And I was wondering whether that would be Rafi's granddaughter, because we saw in Stardust City Rag that Gabe and his Vulcan misses are having a child, and they said, you're not involved. Not for you, bad mother. So if there's any kind of redemption arc to Rafi to reconnect with Gabe and the granddaughter, I feel rewatching Stardust City Rag would bring you the viewers up to speed. But also as well, this was um, this was really Seven of Nine's introduction into Picard as well. So she beamed aboard La Serena, you owe me another ship, Picard. That was the end of the episode before. So this was Seven's first real episode. We got the horrendously gruesome and unnecessary Icheb scene at the beginning of this episode, which again sets up, that's it, cover your eyes literally. Um, that's set up seven where she is now. She's in mourning and she went down this terrible path of joining the Fenris Rangers. Um, but yeah, this is kind of, you know, this is a TNG season three Picard story, but happens to have seven of nine in it as well. So there will be some fans approaching season three thinking, wait, I thought she was a Voyager character. What's all that about? So this will just help reconcile why seven is a part of the titan and the season maybe they thought they were gonna you know do you remember amy that rick berman once made that threat to marina certis in the pay dispute saying well if you don't accept the paycheck i'll just bring in jerry ryan to replace you yes <laughs> what did marina say maybe. you'll have to pay her more <laughs> exactly <laughs> good good one marina so yeah now uh now we get both of them hooray I love this pick so much. I could scream. Ah, this is so great. Ah, I didn't pick it. I know. It, but I'm I love like, it. Mark is loving this. That is my one of my favorite Picard episodes yet. That's one of my top favorite. I love so much about it. Yes, the first couple minutes are hard to watch, but you know, uh, if you can get past that, the rest of the episode is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I it, like that, yeah, that story with Rafi. And I wanted to ask. Do you think that we're going to get back to sort of her drug problem? I don't know, but there was a scene with like an injection in the eye. I didn't know if that was her going back to her snake oil, whatever thing. Yeah. Was that Rafi I'm, though? It was. Yeah, Rafi. it was. And yeah. I, and it, I, and I thought speculation. Okay. Yeah, Kelvin I mean, first. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the same, but I, I think they've done that. And I think this will probably be Rafi's send-off season, unless there is this kind of speculated continuation. But 
I don't think they'd go down the drug route. I looked at it more like, you know, uh, the game where I, it's a transmission into the eyes. I looked at it more from like a tech perspective oh, rather than okay. a drug perspective. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I fear if that's the best they can do with her, um, then I am afraid. Just before we quickly move on about Rafi, I did listen to another podcast and Michael Dawn was the guest star this week. Oh my God, he was gushing about how much in love he was with Michelle Hurd and what a sensational actress she is and the scenes together in this. Because I we get the impression that most of Worf's story is connected with Rafi. They're very much a two-hander uh, kind of, don't want to say B-plot, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So that was so nice to hear because I think a lot of people will agree that the introduction of Rafi has been one of the the biggest parts of Picard so far, one of the most successful. Yeah, I adore Rafi and I adore Michelle Hurd. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if we go down the Gabe road, like you said, because she, um, at the end of season one of Picard, she was vindicated um, on her conspiracy theories that you know drove mm. a big wedge between her and her family. Now, I mean, the other side was her family had a beef that she just kind of abandoned them to go go be obsessed with her conspiracy theory but um we'll see i'm, I'm interested in that and um michelle hurt love her she was so fun to be around at stlv last year and got to, i got to talk to her a few times and she was just so just just so full of energy and so nice and and she's gonna be on the cruise with us here in a few weeks yeah. too so yeah it's a li life ambition i i just want her to call me honey and give me a hug oh <laughs> I've paid for a photo op. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's, she's a hugger. I, I've gotten a hug from her. So, mm. uh, right. right, Chris, so, what's your second pick? I'm. I got a few here that haven't been called out, and I'm like, I think I'm gonna. All right, there's one that you would expect from me, and one that you're not going to expect from me. So, I'm going to give you the expected because one of you might have mm -hmm. picked the other. So I'm going with season seven TNG attached. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I think a big part of the season is going to be Jean-Luc and Beverly's feelings for each other and attached finally explored what had been teased at for almost seven years on TNG as that Picard and Beverly's feelings for one another. And we do see that a little bit more in all good things, but it got killed in the movies to the detriment mm -hmm. of, uh, their their chemistry, but um, yeah, and attached we find out that um, Jean Luc was in love with Beverly, and I think still is. You know, he they kind of make it sound like he was in love, but it was very interesting the way it ended, though that Picard was willing to try to explore a relationship, and it was Beverly that was afraid to go there, which is. Um, Usually it's the other way around, right? And mm -hmm. and it was also weird when you think about like Picard, the series season two, he was a you know oh he was afraid to get let people in, and he actually was ready to let Beverly in there, and she said no. So I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what happens, and you know, do they have a love child? Did they did they have go down the road of a relationship? I don't know, or you know, but I'm I'm looking forward to finding out. That was the only one that was almost on my list. It wasn't on my list, but I had thought of that one, a really good one, too. So I'm really glad you threw that out there, Christos. Thanks. All right. 
Amy, round three. Okay, well, this one is very obvious, um, and that is TNG's Ship in a Bottle. Um, I enjoyed the first Moriarty, but this one I absolutely love because we are, again, exploring how far can holograms go, and now seeing what's been done in Voyager, and now in our current Picard, like, so much advancement has come on and we get to see where Moriarty got left off and then we're going to pick that up again. So that I think is a definite, definite must. Do you think, Amy, that this may tie us into going back to the Enterprise D crashed on Viridian 3? Because uh, there's that image that we've discussed previously and people don't know if it was a, a shot or fan art and it you was, know it was fan art i got corrected is it, is that confirmed yeah i was gonna i was gonna retract that on my next regular episode of what's the t-bev but yes oh. that was fan art speculation mm. so where is moriarty or where was moriarty's infamous yellow little data storage cube uh where oh, did they I leave it? it yeah go on chris so so we've seen two different star bases in the trailers for Picard. One, if people have zoomed in in a Trek, I'll give credit to Trek Yards uh, podcast or on, on YouTube. They did a deep dive of all these. It's, it's, there's literally a big version of the, the old, what we're calling the old space dock from like the, TN, the, the original series movies. And there are literally, if you zoom in, you can see like original constitution ships that are like docked around it. So it's been speculated this is a Starfleet museum. And I think that's where the saucer section is sitting in that Starfleet museum. I think we go there to maybe go find Moriarty. I don't know. Or maybe that's potentially how we get him. But that's my latest mm -hmm. theory. Yeah. Is there time travel? Because remember I that one shot where he's standing on the D bridge with a parrot and overgrown. Oh, that's what we're talking about. That's fake. That we found out that was a fan art thing. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I, so, I, go ahead. I was going to say the big question for me uh, with Moriarty's comeback is where is the Countess uh, Regina Bartholomew, played by <laughs> amazing British actress Stephanie Beecham, who's been in so many great things. So, all, all the all the gay Trekkies in Britain are like, where is Stephanie Beecham? Do we get her to come back to? Mm. Maybe she's one of those special cameos that we've been teased. I love. I hope so. She's recently been in uh, Coronation Street. She was a recurring character in that for many years, and she came back, and she looks fantastic. So she's definitely, definitely ready for a close-up. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, so good. There's some things I didn't even have on my list. Mr. Mark, what is your next pick? So my next pick uh, will probably be surprising again. I went with the TNG episode from season three called The Enemy. Mm. So this episode is a great Geordie episode. Uh, but I learned my rewatch that it's also kind of a great Wharf episode. So I'll, I'll talk about both points. Uh, so for Geordie, 
it showed his ability to problem solve in difficult situations. I mean, he fell down this cave, he was blinded or whatever, and he was able to climb out by using different metals he found down there and using his phaser to essentially make uh, these rods that he could put into the ground and then climb up the, the thing. Uh, also, when he on the Romulan soldier, it shows that uh, he has the ability to uh, empathize and to communicate well with people from very different backgrounds, which are excellent leadership skills. And I got to say, it's hilarious to hear him call the Romulan before he knows him. He refers to him as Commodore multiple times until the Romulan finally tells him his name. Well, if we all know, uh, in season three of Picard, his rank will be a Commodore. So I thought that was cool. Now on Worf's end, uh, Worf has some growth to do. Uh, there is a captured Romulan on board. And, you know, you leave it to Picard. Picard does not order Worf to help the Romulan. Uh, if we know uh, Worf's history, his parents were killed by Romulans. He really doesn't like Romulans. Well, that's he has a deep-seated loathing for the Romulans. Um, so there's that, but he has the only blood type that could actually save the Romulans. And so the Romulans. So he... Everybody is trying to get him and telling him all these things to try to convince him to do it. And coming to the point where Picard even begs him, but does not order him to save the Romulan. And the Romulan ends up dying. It's not that he chose the right path at the end and was like, oh, I guess I'll do it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's this huge, which you would expect from TNG. He doesn't. And he lets the Romulan die. Uh, and so part of me thinks that he thinks about that and he dwells on that. And that might be another seed for his growth where mm -hmm. he looks back on his life in later years and thinks, well, maybe I would have made a different choice. Maybe that's one of my regrets in life. Maybe I shouldn't have taken that route. Uh, and that could be a jumping off point for a lot of growth for him as well. So two characters there get a lot of growth from both of them. No, yeah, I, I really, like it. Really it's, like yeah, it's like Worf's Pegasus episode. You know, he made a poor choice and now has to reflect on that and maybe be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, and I think it's, you know, think about that. I mean, project, you know, I basically they're portraying Worf as racist, basically, and judging a whole race by the actions of some or people in the past and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I could take this one step further you know, we, we recall how frustrated Beverly was in this episode that yeah, you know, Worf Beverly. just didn't do it. Great. And, and mm -hmm. she's mad at Picard, like, you know, and, and, you know, and I think, you know, if I were Picard, I don't know if I would have, you know, I think I might've gone a different route as far as making him do it because the cut, the implications of potentially helping soothe relations between the Federation and the Romulans. But this is, is another good example. We see Beverly frustrated time and time again by the confines of Starfleet, the confines of the Prime Directive, and not being able to help people. And even though she has the ability to heal, politics and red tape are in the way. So this could also be another way to say, you know, what fuels Beverly to eventually leave Starfleet and go do her own, you know, medical relief, Doctors Without Borders thing. It's also the only time in season three that Gates McFadden appeared with her own hair. 
in that episode, actually. <laughs> she does she actually does not wear a wig in that episode. Her hair's randomly long in that episode. I think they were oh, wow. still experimenting <laughs> with her look after coming back. Mark, during all of like, your discussion of that episode, I was just thinking about Gates McFadden's hair because season three is the season. <laughs> Where it's it's there, it's there, it's short, it's medium, it's long, it's curly, it's straight, it's blonde, it's ginger. And yeah, I was just thinking, this is the episode where she has like really, really different hair. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. It's, it's her own hair. Yeah, it, um, especially those first 10 episodes of season three, I think they did a different look for her in every episode. And sometimes two looks in one episode. Um, wow. But- Kelvin, what is your third round pick? Okay. Um, I'm going to continue with Geordie. Uh, obviously, Geordie is one of the hugely celebrated characters coming back that we haven't seen. So I'm going to choose TNG Season 4, Galaxy's Child. Um, Christos, I know it winds you up so much about the Beverly fucking the ghost <laughs> aspect. Um and if we put that across to Geordie, I think everyone's Geordie head in hands moment is this being inappropriate to holograms and being terrible with women in general. So what what do we know now? We, well, we know that clearly he has had a relationship. He's either in a relationship or has had a relationship that has given him two beautiful daughters. So if the children's names are the same as they were in All Good Things uh, in the future, and it was established that he was married to Leah Brahms, then is Leah Brahms still Geordie's wife? Uh, Is she alive? Um, Have they separated? Uh, Or were the naming of the children purely Geordie's idea and these are different children altogether? Who knows? But I just thought it a great way to kind of demonstrate that Geordie has clearly come a long way and has managed successfully I'm sure Lavar's delighted to say to shake off that you're terrible around women and actually when you look at all of the cast Geordie is the success with two beautiful daughters one in Starfleet one's one's a pilot one's an engineer both of which things Geordie has done himself so both of daughters are following their father um, so, yeah, I, I think to me, this is one of my, it was one of my immediate questions that I wanted to know. Who is the mother of the of Alandra and Sydney? And was there a Brett? You know, Jordi also has the, an eldest son in All Good Things. So did we get Brett? Is he alive? Is he dead? So Galaxy's Child with having the kind of the Leah Brahms as uh, the main guest star in the episode. Um, clearly, she outed him as being a holodeck pervert in the episode. It was uh, very entertaining, very character development in a very awkward way for Jordi. Um, but yeah very much a look at what you were 20 years ago from now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what answers we get around Geordie this year. As probably my favorite TNG character, I support any rewatch of Geordie episodes, uh, this one included. So yay. Thanks for bringing Geordie into the mix. You're welcome. Credit you for, you know all the speculation I've done, I've not once asked myself who's the mother of Jordy's children. And because we know he's going to have, we've known from the get go, he was going to have the two daughters, right? 
I've not asked myself that question until like just now. So hmm, you made me think. Wow. You made me think, Kelvin. It's um, not Leah. What if it's like Aquiel or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nobody we've seen so far. <laughs> I, I'm calling answer, it here. Who was the ensign that he really fancied uh, that when it was in Transfigurations where he got the confidence to ask her out? Chrissy something, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's right. When he gets, uh, when John. Chrissy Henshaw. Confidence. This is why you win Trexperts. <laughs> really? I wasn't going to mention name. it. <laughs> Don't make me bust out my hypo spray. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> oh, this is fun. All right. Um, well, because somebody chose ship in a bottle, I actually had elementary deer data as one of my, this is the introduction of Moriarty. Um, mm. So I'm not going to choose that for my last one. My last one, and I think Amy will love this one, is Star Trek Picard Nepenthe. Because ah. in Nepenthe, it was catching up with the Rikers. And we got to see what Riker had been up to. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Will Riker and Troy Riker have been up to, or uh, Deanna Riker. That would, I guess would be her name if she took his name. But we it's get to Mrs. see Mrs. Troy. Her... That's all there is. Mrs. Mrs. Troy. I'm Mr. Lucky. Troy. Sorry. That's Luxwana. Sorry, still always oh, Mrs. Troy. Mr. Troy. <laughs> yes. Um, so we see that Riker is um, sort of retired, but obviously like in the, basically the National Guard, we'll call it, of Starfleet and can be reactivated. And um, Troy is also retired, but, you know, um, still probably reactivatable, but they're, they're, they're living on Nepenthe, they moved there for the um, some nutrients that were in the soil that were supposed to help their potentially help Thad with his disease that obviously didn't help him because they couldn't find Beverly to help him. But um, yeah, we just basically see that they're kind of living life there with their daughter and um, not doing a whole lot. So we, Hopefully, we'll get to see what happens now between seasons one and three to bring them more into the fold, especially Riker being a lot more in the fold, it looks like. But it seems by by the end of season three, everyone's back in Starfleet, at least those two are. So, yeah, it's I think it's a, I think it's a critical. It's, it is one of those rare times that besides Picard, post-Nemesis, we got to catch up with uh, the Rikers and the Troys, and we'll get to see what's going on there uh, as it goes forward. So one thing with that pick, I also had that. So good job for covering it. Um, so we get the family of the Rikers and then their uh, daughter is still relatively young and they're going to take them out of the Kestra. family unit. Yeah. Mm. Kestra. They're going to take them out and leave Kestra behind? Are they going to bring Kestra? Like, who knows? It's going back and forth between, okay, I'm retired because I need to focus on my family, but then you're going to drag them away. Oh, I have issues, but I know it's important and I know they are going to be dragged away. I just worry about but that. Isn't right. that the, the beauty of everybody rallying around John Luke that? You know, Troy is, I'm not as brave as I used to be. Well, she found that bravery somewhere because she's gone on the journey. 
She's sent Kestra off to Anans to play with, with Laxana and Mr. Hom, probably. You can babysit. Uh, and we're going off for one last mission. So I, I like mm. it. I, I think they've found the strength to say, come on, it's worth taking a risk. Um, okay. We need to get ourselves back out there. So I'm not saying they were wa wallowing in the death of Thad, because obviously it's traumatic hugely for any parent um to lose a child but i i think this is it's important growth mm -hmm. to see them getting back out there yeah i think they were in part paralyzed by his death and they're just mm. kind of stuck there and hiding from the world hiding from the universe to be just like okay we got to protect ourselves and so we're going to hide in this cabin in the middle of nowhere and yeah. you know that's our family and it, it's i think kind of getting back to living you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and I like, you know, that. And if you, and if you think about Kestra, how fair is it to her to be like growing up completely in isolation mm -hmm. with her parents yeah. in a cabin in the middle of nowhere? I mean, you need to be around other kids, your age, you need to go to school, you, you know? So I think that at some point they need to come out of hiding. So, mm. all right. So we did three rounds and as Amy had predicted, this would take about as long as it did. Um, I actually want to just ask anybody if you guys have anything, other episodes that maybe were on your list and we just want to throw them out there, but not necessarily I, talk about them. I did have three more episodes, but I don't want to talk about them because I think they've kind of been covered with other characters. But as a kind of honorable mention, uh, obviously this is all good things. So all Trek is good Trek. I want to again talk about Beta Cannon and the novels. So um, there's, Christos, I know you're a huge fan of the Una McCormack novel, The Last Best Hope. So clearly we've got a little bit of Geordie and the Utopia Planitia fallout and Beverly's still on the Enterprise-E. So that's a great place to start. But actually, I want to talk about the David Mack uh, triple series of books called Cold Equation. And that was a book that involved law and kind of reactivating data and even lal uh, was in there as well um i i can't admit to having read all of these books it's one of those things that i've researched i know the stories but i know my james has read them all in detail he loves them but this could kind of explain law's look or his image so they could directly reference the golem model or they could go down the cold equations route of, you know, how he looked older and more human. Have they transferred consciousness using technology like they did here? Um, but I just want to close by calling out a little bit of retcon here that there was this kind of thing about Brent Spiner saying, I don't want to play Data because, you know, I'm getting older. But it was mentioned in TNG that Data does age. So yeah. law could be still law in law's body reassembled but the kind of the aging program has been accelerated who knows so yeah cold equations that's what i want to put out there which would make sense because lore was given the motion chip right before like dr soon was wanting to make the perfect human so james and i were talking about this this morning that's another retcon so there's a lot of people out there that say well law's been disassembled data took the emotion chip back but law already had emotions right. before he stole the emotions right. chip so mm -hmm. i see that as almost like a flash drive of memories 
and Law was still Law before Brothers. Uh, so the fact that they took the emotionship out of Law doesn't make him a more kind of data style Soong android. He's he's still a dick. Yeah. The only reason I, I said that maybe he was in a golem body or whatnot is not only is he aged, but the skin is not the yellow gold that mm. Data always had. It is yeah. he looks like human flesh. So, yeah. and, but there's other ways to account for that as well. Um, those Cody Equation novels that you just mentioned, I have them on my shelf, but I've never read them. So, ooh, quickly, you've got two weeks. And I can't. I can't. <laughs> I cannot read those, and I have four days. Um, I cannot read oh, them in yeah. that amount of time. Oh, you're going to be insufferable got? after you've seen this premiere before us, Christos. I'm going to have yes. to meet you I, on all social media. I, I, I'm sure we'll have to find an NDA walking in anyway, and I, I promise not to spoil it for our BQN hosts. So, Mark, what do you got? I got a couple honorable mentions uh, I'll throw out. So Picard Season 2 Assimilation episode is a really great episode for highlighting the Rafi uh, 7 relationship. Um, you see, again, uh, this is 7, uh, you know, being, coming into her own and really being, um, seeing what she is like without the board game, play, which I think helps her grow a little bit more. Uh, and then Rafi, um, seeing her and dealing with now the loss of her and, and trying to get him back and just seeing the two of them work together. I, I love that in that episode. And then uh, TNG season one episode conspiracy Ooh, that yeah. I think may possibly lay the groundwork for Picard season three. So given the two watch. TNG one conspiracy, please, listeners. Uh, it might have a lot He's to do right. with this season three. He's what? right. Trust and tr there, there's actually there's some there's there's a lot of speculation that this is a they're going to continue the conspiracy story finally, and, and especially there's one big line in that big trailer: "Trust no one, Jean Luc," um, and that would line up with conspiracy. Um, um, I don't know. Uh, there's there's. It's a far-fetched, but I wouldn't be surprised. Terry Metalis is very much into uh, his deep Trek roots. And it is that one mm -hmm. of those things that was many people would say it was the best episode of season one. One of the best episodes of TNG overall. And it was never, ever, ever, ever followed up on. So Luke, it was in the books. <laughs> ah, of course. But they, we, they just, but you know how they, they, you know, we love our books, but they always tell us don't count. I know, I know. But Terry's really good at kind of honoring a lot of stuff that have been in the books. I know they've reset the timeline in all of the books now with the oh, Coda series. Like, but... like Beverly and Jean-Luc having a child together? Well, <laughs> who knows? Maybe this child will, because they named that they named their child Rene in honor yeah. of dead, dead Rene. So maybe this is Rene Picard. Anyway, but is the original Rene or the child Rene? Who knows? Yeah, but the only thing is then, what's Beverly doing with him? If that's the case, it's like you know, he's Just keeping him very secret. You know. Yeah, um, and why? Um, hmm. Amy, any honorable mentions? No. Oh, all awesome. mine have been chosen. Yep. Mine too. So I'll give a quick little recap for everybody here, um, in no particular order because these are all over the place. So, listeners and viewers, we recommend that you rewatch Nemesis. All good things, 
elementary deer data, data and data. See, I give you Pawlowski and uh, Nevada. <laughs> um, attached Nepenthe from Picard. Defend part two and why you're at it. Just watch Defend part one. You're going to make it a little movie night. Uh, Relativity from Voyager. Pegasus. And these are the voyages from Enterprise. DS9, Soldiers of the Empire. Picard, Stardust City Rag. Uh, TNG's The Enemy from season three. And Galaxy's Child from season four. And I also have a feeling, one thing we did not touch on is They've, they've talked about Fallout for the Dominion War. So if you've got time, watch the last nine episodes of DS9 before you see <laughs> <laughs> that's how long That's how long their finale really is. It's about nine episodes to finish up that series. So um, that's a really good watch list. There's all, I mean, there's not one thing and there's not one stinker in there. So, oh, and Conspiracy, why we're at it? Watch Conspiracy. That's a, I would have to agree with, with Mark on that one. Um, Part of me is actually hoping Mark's right about that one. I think that would be really <laughs> cool. Um, all right. I have one final question for you. It's more of a question. It's a, and it's going to be, I want a quick answer for your final thoughts. What do you want to see the most in season three of Picard? And I'm, since I'm putting you on the spot, I'll take volunteers for who wants to go first. Go ahead, Kelvin. Um, mine's really easy. I want Starfleet. So um, I know there was the the filming problems during the pandemic for season two. Um, and everyone felt a little bit, oh, we were so excited to have the Stargazer in episode one. And then we went back in time. So I just want lots of Starfleet uniforms, lots of Starfleet ships, lots of Elkars panels. And I want it to be a ship focused in space season. Now, I think we're going to get that. So I'm. I think, I think you may have got your wish. Yeah. So I'm easy. I'm done. You want I'm traveling easy. through the stars in your Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not really. I'm not really too fussed about people being on an isolated planet eating pizza. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I. I would. I would second that. That's something I am looking forward to. Uh, Amy, do you have a? What do you want to see the most, or what would you love to see the most in season three? I really do hope that we get a lot of scenes with all of them together, mm. sitting around a conference room, being on the bridge, like everywhere. I just want them all together because that's when they have the best time. And that chemistry just shines through on the screen. And I want it to be our whole crew. Like I said before, I want to see Picard and Riker. Those are the two. Let's get them back together. Let's get them solving this. Let's get them trusting each other. Let's get them relying on each other. And then the supporting cast supports them. Um, so I'm looking to have them all together. And I want to see it a lot. <laughs> awesome. And Mr. Mark, what do you think? What are you looking forward to the most or hoping for the most? Well, in the trailer, the the person that discovers lore is Jordy. And Brent Spiner and LeVar Burton's dynamic is amazing. I hope they get a lot of time together. I think that'd be amazing. And I also low-key hope that uh, that British actor ends up being Jean-Luc's kid because there should be more Picards. Let the line keep going. Let there be more Picards. <laughs> that would that would that would solve his his um part of why he was feeling so bad in generations. So mm -hmm. um yeah, I would I agree with that too. Um I can tell you guys. 
I already got my wish because um, when we were sitting there in 2018 at STLV and Patrick Stewart came out and announced Picard, my only wish is that at some point we would see Beverly Crusher again and it wouldn't, and Nemesis would not be the end of her. And I think that not only will we see Beverly Crusher again, but I think she's, I mean, if you look at the poster for season three, she's the highest character in the poster. And um, I feel like it's it's going to be Picard, Riker, and Crusher as like the, the leads of this season, much like it was always Picard, Riker, and Data. Um, so mm-hmm. I got my, I, I already think I got my wish. And um, honestly, I, I couldn't be happier that for finally, after 10, 11 months of anticipation, about to finally get to see it. So, all right. I think we're ready for season three. Um, Amy, what can we look forward to for next week's podcast? Well, we are going to do our genetic engineering series part two, and we're going to watch Deep Space Nine, Dr. Bashir, I presume. Yay. I'd say um, more, but I forget what this episode's about. Apparently, you it's sound really like me. good. <laughs> I was really quiet on purpose. <laughs> I, I am definitely due for a rewatch um, and um, maybe a visit to my my new DS9 companion. Mm-hmm. All right. Listeners, we would love to hear what you thought of today's episode and hope you'll join our Facebook group, the BQN Collective, to continue our discussion there. You can also tweet your thoughts to at allgoodpod and at what's the tbev. Please follow the network on Twitter and Instagram at, at BQN Podcast. We've also partnered with our friends at the Fandom Podcast Network, where you can find us by searching their master feed. So, Amy, where can people find you when you're not trying on all of Troy's different wigs? I do have a couple. I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, you can find me apparently in front of the TV watching all of these episodes. (laughs) Um, I'm also here on the network co-hosting um galaxy class and union federation yeah that one (laughs) i was gonna say all good things but here we are and i am on twitter at miss amy nelson but my favorite place right there in the facebook group bqn collective and kelvin where can people find you when you aren't reading your cold (laughs) equation books rampantly before the premiere (laughs) Uh, thank you. I do need to read them actually after talking so passionately about that story. Um, you can find me on Facebook in the BQN Collective Facebook group, or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kelvin's Timeline. Um, so Mark, where can people find you when you're not helping Geordie LaForge get out of a big hole? <laughs> I get into one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> when I'm not doing that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can find me um, in the BQN Collective Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at markwhite207. Or if you become a patron of this great network, you can uh, listen to my show. It's green. Um, yeah. And Christos, where can people find you? When you are not trying to take over the Federation because your body is infested by these extraterrestrial alien bugs. 
that's a, that was a mouthful. Um, by the way, <laughs> Dr. Crusher, that's one of the ones that helped figure out those bugs. Um, you can find me at the BQN Collective as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GreekGeekSD and at What's the TBev, and on the PlayStation Network also at, at GreekGeekSD as I'm um, very much getting ready for Star Trek Resurgence. I like, I'm liking our comic book series that's leading up to that. Please hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. You can also follow the entire network's podcast with our master feed by searching BQN. This way you won't miss out on any of our fine shows like Union Federation, Galaxy Class, History with the Zalagis, Infinite Diversity, Mickey's Marbles, Sasquatch, What's the Tea, Bev? And our, our newest favorite Trexperts quiz. And remember, you can also catch What's the Tea Bev over on YouTube at What's the Tea Bev channel. At this time, we would like to thank our associate producers, Mahendra Narayakrishnan and Tim Cooper. A special thanks to Graham Kelly for our opening and closing music and to Mark for our artwork each and every week. And this artwork is awesome. <laughs> If you'd like to help keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. We'll add you to the HiveMind Facebook group so you can enjoy It's Green, Amy's Math Moments, and other network perks. With a monthly subscription of $5 or more, you can join our meetings of the HiveMind Roundtable discussion on the second Saturday of each month. Visit patreon.com forward slash BQN and get all the details and watch your messages. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us as we search out all good things and more tea. <laughs>